Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in-store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. Looking through red and black lenses, it's In the Red with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball on SENZ. It's just gone 7 o'clock here on SENZ. It is in the red. No Marshy tonight, though. Uh, but he I know he spent all afternoon stretching those calves, stretching those hammies, uh, doing some shuttle runs just so he's uh, ready for us. Uh, Daryl Gibson joins us. G'day, mate. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Ricardo. It's the story. How are you feeling, mate? How's the, uh, how's the body? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. It'll be interesting. You know, some pretty big calves and... Um... Ankles on Marshall, so I'm sure he'll be stretching for a bit. <laughs> mate, indeed, indeed. Uh, of course, saw the Crusaders uh, play the Chiefs on the weekend, mate, and, uh, you know, it was only a couple of weeks ago we saw the Chiefs roll the Crusaders in Christchurch. Uh, it's not something that happens that often. Um, what was the biggest takeaway for you from watching that game from a Crusaders' point of view that they had changed from the last game against the Chiefs? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think for, for me, it was a real statement game for the Crusaders. You know, they've uh, come up to Hamilton with a real purpose. And as you say, for me, they went back to um, those trademark identities that we've seen in the past from the Crusaders that have been the backbone of their past successes. And that namely, you know, was the, they turned up the dial on the physicality and the breakdown. You know, there was a bit more in their tackles. They competed hard um, at the tackle contest. And they showed that defensive grit that um, that's won them, you know, those past titles. So, you know, for me, it was back to back to Crusaders of old, um, and less of the offloads and fancy stuff. He's doing the basics right. I, I thought uh, something else that I think has improved, uh, Daryl, from the start of the season uh, is the discipline. I mean, they only gave away four penalties all game. You know, I think against um, the was it was the opening game was that against the. Uh, it was against the Highlanders the opening game. I'm, I'm struggling, yeah, struggling to remember now. But they gave away, uh, I think, something like 20 penalties in that game. Um, so that's been something yeah. that's obviously been a work on too. Yeah, that's right. You know, the, the one thing we know about the Crusaders, they're happy to give away penalties in their own 22. You know, it's been a big contentious issue for a lot of the um, Super Rugby coaches just around, you know, the success of penalties inside the 22. So... Um, what was pleasing that the Crusaders got back to that competitive um, nature at the ruck and they just didn't get pinged for it in this game. So, yeah, good discipline. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess um, you're only cheating if you get caught, right? <laughs> yeah, I suppose there's te- teams around the country all agreeing with you and disagreeing right now. <laughs> indeed, mate, indeed. Well, I mean, you know, it used to be, you know, Richie McCall got pinged for it all the time, but before him it was uh, Fitzy that used to get pinged for it. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, the, the Crusaders got... Um, brilliant little open side who's, who's tackling everything at the moment, isn't he? So, um, you know, he's following in, in great great footsteps. And I think uh, probably the other thing that stands out for me, Ricardo, is is just how simple the, the Crusaders were with just trying to get forward and, and speed up the rucks, you know, when they had the ball in hand. Uh, that, for me, you know, just simple go forward, well executed. Again, another hallmark of um, Crusaders of old.
Well, that's actually something I was going to ask you about too, was Cullen Grace, obviously he had that injury last season. We saw him start the first game of the season, but then um, you know Pablo Monteiro had been preferred at eight. Uh, we saw him start this game, score another early try. He looks really good. I mean, they're blessed, aren't they, at the moment in terms of guys who can uh, play in the loose. Um, when you can afford to leave a guy like Pablo Monteiro out and play Cullen Grace, you're doing all right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's hard to know these days, you know, with the COVID um, impacted uh, season that we're having, who's got COVID, who hasn't, who's in, who's out. And, um, right up to the last minute, you obviously saw that last change with Cody Taylor, but certainly um, Cullen Grace, he's, he's one for the future. And, you know, I really like uh, Ethan Blackadder and what how he's going around his business as well. And when you're asking blokes to turn up the physicality, having, having those two in the team certainly helps. Where do you think Ethan Blackadder's best position is? Because, I mean, I look at him and I think he's he seems to be first to the ball more often than not, which would suggest he should be a seven rather than a six, but he's got the physicality to play six too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for me, he's a six. I know the All Blacks tried him as a seven last year, you know, as that open side. So mm. I think um, probably one of the, the big factors in the game for me was obviously not having Peter Gus in the other team, mm. you know. One of the things the All Blacks have been criticised with, you know, with the performance in the year tour with France and Ireland is that physicality aspect. So I just wonder, you know, those players who want to be in contention this year for the All Blacks, you know, you want to be putting yourself about on the field and showing that real physical edge. So, you know, I would have loved to see Peter Gus and uh, Blackadder line up each other up and go at it. Yeah, how good would that have been? I mean, he's a he's a real meter eater, Peter Gus, isn't he? And we saw, I mean, they're not the only team the Chiefs that have missed their number eight this weekend. I know that we're talking about Crusaders uh, on the show, but, I mean, just quickly on that, uh, while we're on that theme, how much did the Hurricanes miss Artie on the weekend? Oh, dramatically. You know, it just shows you in this competition, if you're missing, you know, Chiefs set out Brady Retallick for a large portion of this game and your main players, then uh, it's going to hurt you. But, um Certainly, you know, we're obviously red and black tonight, but, um, yeah, the Hurricanes sorely missing Hardy. It was an interesting one because I, I saw that. I saw them named TJ, but, you know, and, I, and I'd gone, well, Artie's fronted up for every game so far this season. And, you know, you talk about All Blacks having minutes restricted and things like that. I, I was failing to see that. Um, and I guess probably the Canes thought, well, Moana's our opportunity to give him that rest and TJ's in there to provide the uh, the leadership, but uh, didn't seem to, to, to go to plan that. I mean, I would have thought the Canes might have learnt from the Crusaders because, you know, the Crusaders, when they played Moana Pacifica in their first game uh, against them, they did much the same. They put out a team of a lot of young guys, a lot of fringe players, and, uh, you know, Moana nearly made them pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to see that more and more often, you know, with uh, the drawer. Moana showing that hey, you put out a weak inside against us. We're going to um, sense the opportunity here and we're going to get stuck into you. So I'm sure there's a few coaches um, earmarking those games going, well, maybe it's not such a, an easy game for us anymore. We've got to uh, put out a decent squad, decent team, uh, and make sure they do the job. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of uh, how you do balance a squad in a competition like this, Daryl, I know that you've been involved um you know, over in over in New South Wales, you were involved at the Crusaders previously as well. You're you know you know coaching Bay of Plenty now as well. In terms of how you manage your squad, particularly if you've got somebody tapping you on the shoulder from HQ, going actually this bloke needs a bit of time out. I mean, just how difficult is that balance? Yeah, it is. It's a fine balance because you're um, you're balancing obviously the needs of the national um, national game 
which is very critically important. Um, but then also the team team needs in the context of the where you are at the season. And the luxury for um, those teams who are winning at the start, you know, you can um, you know start to rotate and balance your squad, you know, because you've got off to a good start. But if you say the Highlanders and you're 0 and 4 or 0 and 5 and whatever um, Tony faces at the moment, it's really hard not to play your best players because mm-hmm. you want to get back in the comp and, and be competitive. So, as I say, um, it's one thing the Crusaders have done successfully well over the years is being managed to, um, at different times, rest the younger players, bring in, bring in the older ones and, and pack them around with experience. So um, it's a luxury, uh, but I just wonder, you know, just with the thinning of the squads, whether that's, um, you know, everything's getting a little bit more even. Yeah, well, it certainly feels that way. Um, and there are some, uh, there, but that said, things are getting more even. There's some guys putting their hands up, man. I, I look at certain positions and I think, man, you know, we've got we've got some real depth here. Uh, one of those is at fullback. Uh, Geordie Barrett's obviously the all-black incumbent. And I know that often he plays in the same team as Will Jordan, but Will plays on the wing. But you saw on the weekend just what a fantastic fullback with just that little bit of extra pace coming from a little bit more centrally, the damage that Will Jordan can do. I mean, are we getting to that point where it's, you know, a bit like uh, Carlos versus Mertz for the 10 jersey? I mean, are we going to be having that conversation over the next few years between these two? Yeah, I think so. I think um, probably the best thing there is um, they're both playing in their preferred positions, you know, for the for their teams. You know, it's a bit like um, Moanga and, and Bowden Barrett. All of a sudden, we've got a we've got competition competition for places. Would bring bring out the best in um, both players. And I know at some point the the All Blacks will probably convert one of them into a winger or, or so forth, just to get them all on the park. But you know, it's certainly a great situation to be in. And you know, both I think are being outstanding. You know, Bowden Barrett, I mean, um, Geordie Barrett, early rounds. Mm. Quite outstanding for the Kings. Uh, very influential, and you know, again, like Hardy, if he's not on the park, Hurricanes seem to struggle. Yeah, they, they do a bit. I mean, from a um, coaching point of view, you look at these two players; they look like they offer slightly different things. Geordie feels like he's probably a better defensive fullback, but Will Jordan feels like he gives you a bit more on attack. Yeah, a bit more zip, but I, you know, it's a real um, horses for courses with with. Um, Jordy, he gives you that aerial presence. Mm. You know, he's very safe. He's very tall. Um, geez, he can bang over goals from anywhere um, at crucial times too. So, you know, um, thankfully, Ricardo, you and I don't pick the All Blacks, but uh, <laughs> we can talk about the players that they should pick. And, you know, there's two that you've just identified that, you know, we're going to watch all season and watch them go. Yeah, well, mate, I think it's fair to say the All Blacks have got about 5 million selectors. It's just not all of us have the same <laughs> amount of pull. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, another position, and this is uh, sort of closer to home for you, is in the midfield as well. Uh, and just looking at that Chiefs Crusaders game from the weekend, I mean, there's a, you know, we talk about the midfield uh, for the All Blacks. We talk about, you know, um, uh, Rico Yuani wanting to, to to play as a centre, Roger Tuivasa Sheik as a twelve. Um, you know, there's been some talk about the way that Thomas Umanga Jensen's gone. He he could be in the mix. You got Josh Goodhue. You uh, you got David Harvey. Uh, you've got Braden Enor. I mean, there's just a an endless number of names that come out. Uh, Quintu Paya, of course, Anton Leonard Brown as well. And then a bloke like Alex Nankerville puts his hand up. Um, I think he's been excellent all season. And, the, and on the opposite side of it, Lester Fianuku, who you know I always think of as a winger, is making a great fist at centre. He's had a couple of cracks there this season with the Crusaders. 
Yeah, you've just rattled off just about all the centres and midfielders in New Zealand. But uh, <laughs> I reckon, um, as you say, we're, we're, we're going to watch this one all year because I still don't think someone's really nailed down those spots yet, you know, 12 or 13. Um, obviously, in the weekend with, with Dave Havili playing his 100th game, I thought he shaded Quinn in this game. Who's some nice touches, obviously, uh, let him in. And then... Alex Nankerville for me, you know, you just you just love a try, mm-hmm. and um, he goes all game. He gives a hundred percent. Probably playing out of position. He's probably not a thirteen, but more seen him at twelve. But you know, his two tries he scored, outstanding. And I think um, you know, when we look at that game, the Chiefs, even though they lost by the margin they did, they will will come away from that game. You know what? Our attack is going well. We caused the Crusaders some issues. Um, defensively, you know, the, the Crusaders will be worried that the Chiefs scored relatively easily. Uh, and that's very un-Crusader-like. So um, some good signs there for the Chiefs. For me, you know, top four side uh, heading into the, you know, the, the stage of the comp. So, um, and that was the joy of watching the game the weekend, wasn't it? Probably two of the top four teams um, going at it in the New Zealand Conference. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's not going to be too far away before we cross the ditch and have um, the Aussies come here as well and we get a bit more of a, a gauge on where everyone is at in this competition. We'll talk about that a bit more after the break. This is In the Red with uh, Ricardo Ball and Daryl Gibson filling in for Marshy here for you on SENZ. Shop the biggest health and beauty brands in-store or online at the lowest prices every day at Chemist Warehouse. In the red, talking Crusaders rugby with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball on SENZ. It is 17 past seven here on In the Red. Ricardo Ball and Daryl Gibson is in for Marshy. And um, Daryl, of course, the boys are going to be up against the Highlanders this weekend. The Highlanders without a win so far this season. I don't know why, given that they are 0-5, but it, it kind of feels like a banana skin game for the Crusaders. Where are you on that one? Yeah, I, I, you've got to feel for the Hollanders, you know, because they are um, not far away, you know, and when you're 0-5, Tony will probably feel like it's, you know, a mile away. But um, they've been super competitive. They've pushed all those top teams um, all the way. So the Crusaders will be wary of that. They'll know that... Um, the, first of all, the, the Highlanders love playing the Crusaders. There's that derby, you know, big brother, little brother, all that sort of stuff will come out and um, uh, the Highlanders love putting it over to the Crusaders. So it'll be super competitive. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, what Razor picks in terms of his squad, knowing he's got, um, you know, the Hurricanes coming up the following week and then the Blues. You know, everyone's waiting for the Blues. So he knows he's got a run of three games now, how he rotates his squad, but keeps winning in the same same way will be very important to him. Yeah, now I know part of um, your uh, your ongoing education, uh, I know you've done a master's degree in coaching and, and, and things. You did a thesis called a Coach Approach Through a Losing Streak. I don't know if, if Tony Brown's been in touch for some advice on this, but <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you're in Brownie's shoes and you're in this situation, what do you do as a coach? Yeah, um, a bloody tough situation, you know, first and foremost for any coach when you're losing um, successively. It's one of the hardest situations, I think, as a coach will face. And, um, you know, the one thing I watched with the Highlanders is how they are as a team. You know, the team still together. Are they fighting for each other? Um, are they competitive? Um, are they still together, you know, um, and working for each other? And 
I see that in the Highlanders. You know, they're, they're not coming out and um, slagging off the coach and, and blaming others. They're taking responsibility um, for their performances. And, you know, I like the noises coming out of, out of the, the coaching camp and the team. So um, it'll take one little one little victory and it'll turn. Um, unfortunately, in the, in the Super Rugby competition, particularly in the New Zealand conference, you don't get much of a respite. You know, every game's competitive. Um, all, all the coaches are putting out good sides. So, um, tough situation. Um, and one that, uh, you know, really feeling for Tony. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be tough. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, it's all on you as a coach, but it's all on you also to get the players up. Um, does it, in a way, even though it's the Crusaders and, you know, kind of everybody's like, oh, God, we've got to play the Crusaders this weekend. But because it is that derby, uh, does that make it a little bit easier to get your team up? Yeah, I think so. I think also they'll be buoyed by their last, um, you know, last encounter at the, the start of the season there. Um, always been competitive against the Crusaders. Um, you know, Tony and Ray's have been going out a few years now. They'll know each other's tactics, you know, what works. Uh, and they will enjoy going to um, to Rugby Park. You know, they, they like playing at Christchurch. They like that challenge. So um, there's plenty on up for them. They know, you know, where they are in the comp. They've got to get themselves back in it. Um, and what a great place to start for them. Yeah, fantastic place for for, for them to start. And we'll uh, see how that, that that turns out. What do you think, um, you know, trying to put yourself in Razor's shoes, what do you think you're going to see from the Crusaders this weekend? Is it going to be more of the same? Do you think it'll be relatively unchanged? Or will he make some changes again and mix it up? Yeah, I think he'll keep mixing it up. Obviously, you know, with, with Sam and his lock situation, um, he'll want to try and um, balance out the minutes for all his, all his big players. Um, I think probably what we'll see is, is more of the same from the Crusaders in terms of that hallmark identity that um, I think they've rekindled you know, from that, the Chiefs fixture. You know, what it is they're about. They're about physicality, the breakdown, being competitive um, and being really pragmatic when they have the ball. And I think, um, you know, I was on the show a couple of a couple of weeks ago, and it might have been the Chiefs' loss. And I remember saying to Marshy, it was very un-Crusader-like. Just the, it seemed to me they were a team searching for that identity of how it is we're going to play the game this season. Mm. And I think they've dialed it back, gone, you know what, um, this is how we are, this is who we play, and this is how we do it. So, yep, more of the same for the Crusaders. More of the same, mate. Of course, I mentioned uh, before the break that we're going to start seeing the Aussie teams playing New Zealand teams soon, um, and that'll probably give us a, a better gauge on things. But, I mean, looking over the ditch, you've got to be impressed with the way that the uh, Brumbies have been tracking, and the Reds to an extent as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, certainly both teams setting the pace there. As you say, Ricardo, it's going to be hard to um, gauge just you know the type intensity um, that both competitions are playing at. Um, and it's not until we, we hit those games and we uh, we see them matched up that we'll get a get a gauge of where a team like the Blues, um, you know, even the Hurricanes and the Highlanders, as um, our middle tier sort of teams, how they're stacking up against um, you know the likes of the Reds and the Brumbies. You know, is our middle tier better than their top tier? And that's the question. Um, you know, we want to be uh, getting some answers on. Yeah, it's interesting you said that uh, because that would suggest to me that you think it's Crusaders and Chiefs uh, is is going to be the the big dance. Yeah, I certainly think they're the two um, for me. They're at this stage, you know, top fourteen. Um, you got 
you got to know that you've got to travel to, to Canberra. You know, if you're a New Zealand team, you know, they tip them up there and they're difficult customers on their own patch. So that's a tough ask. Same with the Reds. You know, I think what Brad's done with them around their identity, around that physicality that we've spoken about, they're not going to be easy either. So um, until we, we get to that magic round, um, you know, in Melbourne, um, what a great concept. And um, we'll get those questions closer to being answered. Yeah, we will. Uh, what about your old side, uh, the Waratahs? I think we've seen a lot a lot more from them uh, this season. It's, it seems to have been a, a, a back to basics, a lot of uh, youngsters uh, playing, and, and particularly in the forwards, they seem to have it together. I think it's just some of the decision-making in the back line that's let them down so far this season. Yeah, I've been really impressed with the Waratahs uh, this year. Obviously, they're going through um, a new building, building phase. You know, they've got a new coach, a uh, new style. I really like their attacking intent, the way they're approaching the game. Uh, and we've been saying it for a long time in Australia, the, the Waratahs have, I would say, probably six of the best young youngest players coming through. Um, and it's just a matter of riding out this little period, giving them that experience um, that's necessary in this comp to, to be a, a top competitive side um, consistently and sustainably. So, yep, good signs there. Um, and just, again... It's that litmus, litmus test of a New Zealand team, you know, to really see where you, how you stack up. All right, mate. Hey, Daryl, thanks very much for filling in for Marshy uh, tonight on In the Red. Uh, but I do have to ask you before you go, we do this, uh, we get the, we get everybody's picks at the end of each show. So your picks for the weekend, please. Um, obviously, the show's called In the Red. So you're taking the Crusaders over the Highlanders on Friday night? Yep, Crusaders at home. Yeah, hard to beat. Yeah, uh, the Drua host the Waratahs. Another, another one. I'm, I'm picking that you're going to go the, the the Tars here. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, affiliations with the Drua, and uh, I've enjoyed watching them, watching them play. Fast finishing. Um, I'm going to tip an upset there. Okay. Let's go to the draw. Let's go to the draw. What about uh, uh, the Blues versus Moana Pacifica Saturday night? This is going to be a fun one because they play each other t- tomorrow night and then they play each other on Saturday. So they're going to know each other pretty well. Yeah, I, I guess um, tough period for the Moana Pacifica, isn't it? With um, you know, the runner games coming up. But I think the Blue- Blues will have too much for them uh, in both games um, in terms of their depth of their squad and so forth. Yeah, uh, the Reds and the Brumbies. Now these two played out a game in Canberra a couple of weeks ago that the Brumbies took out by four points. But this one's up in Brisbane. Does that make a difference for you? Yeah, I think it does. I think um, you know the, the Reds would have learned a lot out of that game. Um, and yep, tough customers at uh, home. So I'm going to tip the Reds there. Yeah, and uh, finally on Sunday Arvo at two thirty, the Canes take on the Chiefs. Who have you got? Whereabouts is that being played? Uh, well, it's it's a it's a Canes home game, so I assume that's at the Caketon, unless they're playing in Palmy. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I'm liking the Chiefs this year. I think they've they've got good depth, um, lots of competition in their squad. I'm going to pick the Chiefs there. Yeah, the Chiefs the Chiefs to win at Sky Stadium. It is good stuff, Daryl. Thanks for coming in, mate, and, and and doing a great job and filling in for Marsh. I know halfback's not normally your gig, but you uh, you steered the traffic around the park quite nicely. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Good, good stuff. Uh, Daryl Gibson there with us, our former All Black and Crusader midfielder. Of course, we've got another uh, former midfielder who played for the All Blacks and a bunch of other teams, more clubs than Tiger Woods, as we like to say. Peter Alatini and Pacific Flair up next. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.